Hello and welcome to another episode of Chris Talks Music. This time around I'll be speaking to Jim Glenny of James, who recently announced a brand new double album, Be Opened by the Wonderful, which will be released in June of this year. It's a special affair, it's featuring a full orchestra and gospel choir in celebration of the band's 40th anniversary. 40 years. It's wild. The album will feature new versions of their greatest hits, their fan favourites and deep cuts, and it'll also include one brand new record. It really has to be heard to be believed. But before that, it can be seen to be believed. Also announced to coincide with their 40th anniversary of their first show as James, which was at the Hacienda with Big Country on the 17th of November 1982, is the James Laster Tour, which is accompanied by orchestra and gospel choir, and this run of live dates includes Liverpool's Philharmonic Hall and Birmingham's Symphony Hall, and it will conclude at the Royal Albert Hall in London. But before they get to their conclusion, they'll be coming to Sheffield City Hall on the 4th of May, which is next week. And ahead of the show, I got the chance to sit down with Jim Glenny, and we got to talk about all sorts of things from the band's formation. But before we got into that, we opened up with a little bit of a discussion Um based on a topic that I'd seen in a previous interview that I'd had. I hope you enjoy this week's show, and once again, thanks for listening. I was watching a an interview, actually, that you did with GER, um, and you were discussing um, mental health um, in the industry, and kind of the pervasive enabling that, that goes on. Yeah, that was really interesting. It was... Um, because it's like, how can you ever um, remain on a a relative straight and narrow when they're kind of perpetually shoving these things in your face? Well, alcohol, so on. And uh, I mean, well, the thing is, the music industry is, you know, it has a reputation, and it's almost treated as part and parcel of the job description. You know, the, the booze and recreational drugs, it's almost like you expect people to do it and to have problems with it at some stage. And but any other jobs, I don't think they've been to that remit. You know, yeah. it's almost it's almost like every band, every individual will have had their car crash moment, whether they come out the other side, God bless them all, or they haven't. And it's kind of not really good enough, I don't think, for a, a profession to just accept that as something that's inevitable doesn't yeah. sound like a very good idea really no it's like the de rigueur deconstruction of artists and then then that can be publicized and um capitalized on um in yeah. a new variety of different ways isn't it it's a um, fake it till you make it and then when you make it they want to break it um accidental power there yeah no those it's good i mean it's also I suppose the other aspect which is basically not just the, the the kind of rock and roll traditions of self-destruction and that being part of the accepted norm really but also just generally speaking not have any real practical um concerns or certainly no concerted efforts to deal with uh, mental health uh mental well-being in the industry talks about it a lot and has done for a long long time but i don't really see a great deal of anything being put into practice I mean, you are you 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 know it's an amazing job. Don't get me wrong, but it's it's almost that becomes an excuse just to batter people twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Just yeah, yeah. But you're lucky because 
job you want to do and it's just like to give us a break will you oh uh, yeah i think yeah. okay and not just back not the industry just everybody in the industry has accepted that your, your personal life your family comes second that you you know you you leave work late probably then you've got to go to sit to a gig then you've got to hang out with whoever's and it's all consuming it's all consuming and i don't think it's necessary that's the stupid thing about it i don't they crack on like it. i think that's the only way that the industry can survive and i don't think that's true at all yeah it's um i think the whole thing about well-being i think it's a wonderful principle but the problem is is it's it's such a cliche box ticking term that people hide behind as a justification for the pretending that they actually give a damn or a shit about people and they they don't really the same way that they try and combat things like racism and homophobia or um any of the phobic tendencies or any negative terms it's in a lot of cases it's kind of saying well we're, we're taking these actions to um do this and that i got an email through the other day about modern slavery in the workplace um and some little some 15 20 minute training course and i was just like i've i've got to do it at some point it's this mandatory bollocks but really it's like what are we actually really doing about it um and it was when we had black lives matter the the movement when it kicked off during the um the first lockdown and it was it's a long time coming and i think it needs to continue um but for me it was like of course i'm I'm a person of colour, so I'm massively behind it. But I always have been that way inclined my entire life. Luckily, I was exposed to that kind of stuff growing up. But um, for me, it was like, no, this is great that everybody's come together of all races and all backgrounds. And that's cool. That's great. And sure, put a black square as Blackout Tuesday or whatever, but keep the same energy. Maintain it. And... and it's and the reason I'm referring to kind of that is it's something that you as a band have kind of consistently and continually done throughout your careers, whether you've been seen as hard partiers or drinkers or um, being part of what some people refer to as a cult or a sect or whatever. Um, and people have these kind of illusions of what we should be seen as and without looking past the what's on the surface um and I kind of got to applaud you really um as a band as a collective um disparate or otherwise over the years and um, for maintaining that energy so give you a little salute there thank you, thank uh, you. well these also to be trying to be open and honest as well and just bringing stuff out and talking about stuff and, and it as you're saying it's been a permanent like trying to keep things so it's not just oh yeah you make the talking gesture of talking about something but it's genuinely rolling your sleeves up and trying to make things different and then i think that's kind of where we kind of go wrong as you said we seem to think that you know slogans we've we've mentioned it and as you said you've ticked a few boxes and can be parked over here and everything's all right for now and it's not and it's just kind of um i mean yeah obviously we we, we bump into all sorts of issues within the industry just because it's a very male orientated in yeah and the only cliches that come with that apparently and again lots of nice language and nice um uh 
you know, projects going on to support this and support that. Yeah. Whenever you turn up somewhere, you go, yeah, it looks all the same faces as you, as you were both. You know, yeah. and, and I think it's just, you can't really represent without fair representation. No, you can't. You can't. I, and you have to actually do it. Not like, just as you said, oh, oh yeah, this is wrong, isn't it? Oh, isn't this terrible? And then everybody agrees the fucking stuff. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the music industry is like a, a microcosm or kind of like a, a really kind of small take on society as a whole. And how, I guess, debilitating and destabilizing we continue to be, regardless of however much we progress with technology and seemingly under the guise of um, forward-thinking politics and policies. But I'm not trying to turn into some podcast variant of a kind of, um, I guess, a a morally um, normal version of Russell Brand at the moment, because he started off great and then (laughs) fell off the deep end, didn't he? He slipped right down the slope. But um, it, let's focus on you guys. So, um, yeah, the you've got a new... Are we allowed to talk about this new project yet? Uh, I think so. No, right, well, yeah. Be, be open by the wonderful. The, be open by the Yeah, so it's like the 40th anniversary upcoming from when you first were on at the Hacienda back in 1982, right? And... Um, the like riding the wave of the Manchester scene, and then um, kind of I guess annoying some of your uh, uh, I guess original fans with uh, recent output, especially all the colours of you, um, which I think is a brilliant album by the way. So they could stick it up the bump. But um, yeah, so um, so for four years from then to now, and then you're going over some of your songs um, with an orchestral. And gospel choir. I've I've given it a listen. I think it's terrible. No, it's great. Seriously, I think it's it's really good. Do you know what it is? I think it's um, it's really nice to see um, a take on music that people have such an affinity with, but also done in a different, in a very different way, um, seen for a different lens, but also with a care as well but it kind of gives it a different layer um i think personally anyways I, and and you can obviously i'd love to know your thoughts on it as working on it and seeing the finished finished pro- product in the end of it but i think it's a it's given it a kind of almost like a a soul but uh, not that it didn't have any soul in a way but it's kind of given it a, just a, a soulful reinterpretation of it I think you're right. I think like what, what gets me from this part of the experience of kind of being like, um, because in a way we, we kind of take a slight backward step. Like when we go on stage at a James concert, it's all us. There we are in all our glory. It's all about us. This isn't, this is about the orchestra and the choir and the solo. And I might be playing on the solo. I might not be playing on the solo. There's quite a few songs I don't play on at all, you know, like, which is amazing. I can sit there and listen and go, you know, be blown away by it. I'm not concentrating on playing or getting it right. I just can just sit there and listen. Lots of the songs I don't play over, you know, I play a, a minor role. I probably won't play for half the song and then I'll come in and do something very subtle. So the orchestra and the choir 
primarily taking the song that's little scratchy scratchy song we wrote and turning it into something amazing. And I think you're right. What they're doing is they're they're cranking it up. It's like you're turbo driving those emotions and those feelings. Um, and to be part of it is incredible. To be part of something that you created many many moons ago, and now listening to it and going this and, and in amazing venues. I mean, we were playing in some incredible places. It's not just you know when they're all seated, some people sat there listening, um, and it's just a real real treat. I mean, it, as as a songwriter as much as a musician, it's a real real treat because again, you just you're one slightly step removed from it. You know, these are Joe Dudell's interpretations inherently of our song. We let Joe have a, you know, fair free reign on this. He he was played a big part in choosing the songs to work on. It had to be things that he was inspired. He had a, a vision. You know, it wasn't like we were rubbing the set list down his throat. It was like Joe was picking up on obscure tracks. He was using some of the big tunes, but not using some of the big tunes. It was up to him primarily. Um, and even that, just getting that kind of outside overview of it and someone's going let me reinterpret this song let me present this in a different light um it's such a joy it's such a joy like i'll believe that this is the second time we've we've done this now i can't believe we're back here again um it's ever so fortunate ever so lucky yeah i mean like to kind of quote yourself back to you in a way you did um you'd said that um how it's a family of brothers and sisters all willing to support each other musically and emotionally. And emotionally, I would definitely apply that to this um, comprehensive collection of music um, put together by Joe Diddle, who's worked with um, Elbow and New Order. And then you also said it was about how you like, about pushing yourselves and taking risks um, collectively and individually, but looking for transcendence. And I would say... um, it is because it kind of transcends the, um, I guess the predefined boundaries of what people expect, um, James to put out there, but it's also transcendence, not from like purely a spiritual basis, but I think, um, from an evolutional perspective as a, as a group, but I also think it kind of has a, an ethereal quality to it, whereby you can, it's it's an album that you can kind of just listen to whether it's coming through your, I don't know, your, let me turn it off before I say it, your Amazon Echo or something like that, or your Alexa, like through your smart speaker. But, and, and that can be fine while you're driving along and um, there's loads of traffic and it's, it's calming as well, but also kind of helps you escape. But then the escapism element is I listened to it and I was listening to it through the speakers, but then I also put my headphones on and it's a different, warmer, more embracing, um, and all encompassing of a, an audio experience really personally. Maybe I'm just being some weirdo, lonely, spiritual music listener or something. Don't know. But, um, yeah. So it's like kind of, it was just really nice to hear the different timbers and the different elements. So, yeah, I thought it was great. It was, um, look, I didn't really think... glad you. Yeah, good, good, good. I felt like it was how everyone else is. Yeah, same, same. I mean, it, you know, it's, uh, we love it. We're really proud of it. And I think it reflects it's a good mixture of stuff, various albums. We've picked stuff going right back to the 80s, right through to the most recent stuff we've done. Um, so, so it's, 
Yeah, I mean, I think the founders will kind of love it. To be honest with you, I do. I mean, we kind of uh, drip feeding things out a bit, and I'm sure that it will. I mean, our fans are amazing. They are, and they're very good at readjusting what they expect from a James gig based on what we're going to give them. Because because we don't always give them what they want. I mean, I say we're there every James gig, so the last thing we want to do is to get bored running through the motions. So we do tend to chop things and change things around a lot. We drop the hits, you know, we rest songs. If we get tired of them, we don't want to get bored of our own material. Um, just the way we are, we insist on playing loads of new stuff all the time. It's just whether you're matching it or not, that's what you're going to get. And that's why we're still here, you know. It's took, there's a reason why I've been here for 40 years, you know. It's like we, we want to keep pushing forward. We want to keep writing new stuff. The new stuff is, for us, the cutting edge of where we're at. It's like an artist painting new stuff. You're painting new pictures. It's an author writing a new book. You know, fantastic that you wrote a great book 30 years ago, but what's going to actually pull you, get you up in the morning, it's the stuff that you're writing today. That's who we are. You know, all the big James songs weren't born huge James songs. It was always the first time they were played. Do you know what I mean? It's like, they were always a new song. They were always a little song no one had ever heard before. So that's what we're doing. We're just trying to add more by our standards, quality stuff to the James Cannon, uh, keep going and keep going. And we'll plan to change that. Uh, and we'll keep, got a new album coming out next, first quarter next year, working on the songs for that already. Quite deeply immersed in that, really, probably hoping to finish that by the end of the summer, practically. So there's a lot going on there. So it's like, yes, it's a little nod to the past within the 40th and all the rest of it. We're very much looking forward, very much. How do you maintain that um, energy and enthusiasm? Because 40 years is one a heck of a long time. It's a big marriage. Um, and it, so much has happened. And you've, ha- you've, had, you've had your breaks. Um, you've had your, um, your pauses collectively. But you've also kind of had the realizations of the, the different kinds of personalities. But all, instead of kind of butting heads over it, it's kind of you've come to this acceptance of difference and um instead of ostracizing it you've uh if anything it, it seems from what i can gather to have pulled you closer together i think i think you're going it's a bit like i suppose having problems in a relationship isn't it you go one of two ways you're either going to the start of the split or you roll your sleeves up and you sort it out and if you roll your sleeves up and sort it out you stronger in the better healthier relationship you know and that's what we did eventually. I mean, it's, this is a ridiculously, incredibly, you know, job to do. Best job on the planet. But you can balls it up through being an idiot, through being immature and childish and letting stupid things get in the way. Um, and after the split, we came back with a very different attitude. To it. We knew how delicate and fragile it was and how it was based on getting on as people. And I think we had a very different relationship to each other. We were just treating each other with such kind of... Hair when we came back, really, just trying to be very, very gentle with each other because we just knew that once it felt like once, especially at the beginning, one small mistake and things could crash and burn again. Yeah, and and we just thought we're not going to let that happen. We're just not going to let that happen. And we've always loved what we've done, regardless of falling out. We always loved what we've done. We loved the gigs. We loved the songwriting. We loved the the, the new material when it comes out. It was just those banging of heads together, which was just ridiculous for that, allow that to spoil things. Um, and we've maintained that. We've maintained that. We've, we're, we communicate clearly and well 
issues, people bring it out, things don't bubble under the scenes and then come out and issue this big flare-up somewhere. Um, very into kind of communicating and sharing things. Not sounding a bit too hippie about it, but it's true. You have to roll your sleeves up and make these things work. You know, this it's not an easy job sometimes. You're away from home, you're away from your family, you're with each other 24-7, you can't get away from each other, and you start keep driving each other around the bend if you don't care. Well, and if you can't, in a situation where you can vocalise that, then it's going to be, there's going to be problems. And you just grow up. That's the bottom line of it. After a while, you just grow up and you just start going, do you know what? I'm not going to mess this up again. It ain't going to be me. No, it's not going to be me. Um, and I think, those words, we're getting on really well. We are winning. It's, it's a joy. Um, everything from the songwriting, right through to touring and all of it. Um, getting such a, it's healthy as well. It's a much healthier environment to be in than it used to be back in the day. Yeah. I think it's hard though, isn't it, to juggle and to even um, kind of maintain that energy and um, capability to kind of hold it together when you have such um, intense multi-directional relationships. Because it's not just two people in that. There's there's a number of you yeah. there. And obviously some people yeah. have left over the years and some people have joined. and But that's just how things move. But the fact that you've kind of managed to kind of remain relatively close and then closer over the course of four years and then which is weird when you say it because that's older than I am um and still be so warm and sincere with regards to one another and I've seen it in the other interviews that you've done as well um and it doesn't come across at all like some people are PR trained and they say that the kind of the answer that they want people to hear and that's great and wonderful for them but I also think it's disingenuous and I think it's much better to kind of be honest with yourself and then honesty with everyone else cheesier and I think that's one of the things you've had to kind of do in the public eye uh, and that's difficult and um, it's a hard balance to maintain cue the kind of um, temporal fragility when you kind of got back together um, but yeah. I think it comes through. It, it comes through in the music in the end, and it comes through in kind of what you put out. And the thing is, it's your last album. Um, you recorded that quite remotely, didn't you? Because it, it was... Um... It's... Yeah, we... Uh, yeah, we'd, well, we'd, well, we'd written it before the pandemic kicked in. Yeah, we have to be together to write. Right, we have to be in the same room. We can't do that remotely. So we've done all that, fortunately, just happened that's the way things worked out timing well. I saw all, all we had to do was to kind of piece it together and get people to do the various parts on top of it and, and, and produce it. Um, and yeah, we were very fortunate. Tim was living in California at the time in Topanga and just down the road was Knife world famous producers, 20 minutes from Tim. And, and Jack Knife didn't want to go away during COVID. Um, he wanted to stay with his family. I'd only worked from his home studio. Tim was 20 minutes away, and then it just fell into our lap. It was like, brilliant, let's do that. Um, and it worked really well. When he did it, it was um, surprisingly easy. Tim was the point person, so Tim would go to Jackknife, get Jackknife's ideas, maybe like a rough sketch of where he wanted to take the song. And he, Tim would come back to us, and he'd play it to us, and he'd kind of explain the approach. And, and it worked. It, it, it helped that 
pretty much instantaneous than what jackknifers do we really really liked so it was easy to go yeah really very happy with the way it was going um so it was yeah i mean it was kind of you know just our necessity it was, wasn't didn't appear to be another option really but it just worked brilliantly um so yeah we were we were, we were fortunate and through through that the album came out through the all the the chaos of the madness of everything that happened during those two years. No touring, obviously. Yeah. Live went out of the way like it did for everybody, uh, which was uh, mad. Um, but, and, and then kind of coming back, as we did last year, pretty much full touring schedule last year again, and suddenly it's like, okay, yeah, it's back to relative normality. Um, and the same this year. Busy. I think I think we're coming back to some level of normality in spite of the chaos that seems to surround us as as people. Do you know what I mean? I think we're, society is so we we managed to find a way to persevere in the most trying of times, wherever we are geographically. And yeah, I mean it's it's frustrating to turn on the television and just see what's going on, however uh, large or small scale issue whatever that is that day seems to be and you kind of can fall into the trap of just consuming and consuming from myself working in news media it it can be all encompassing and um quite depressing sometimes so i just switch off from it sometimes you have to gotta separate yourself it's healthy but like yes the thing is it's just great to be able to from your perspective get out on stage and perform and share what you've created with people again um, from the perspective we that, yeah, we do. We need an escape. Absolutely, you know, and, and I think that's why it's been like when we kind of played the first shows. Once we came back, it was like regardless of who we were playing to, we played festivals a lot of the time, and a chunk of the people probably didn't know that much of our material. People just came for a good time. They were there for the shared, shared experience and to celebrate. You know, it was that 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 the vibe you get, the, that kind of communal energy that you get from being with the for the same reason. Yeah, it was a huge absolutely. Piece, you know, wasn't it? one absolutely was. I'm going to have to sign off. Have you got a couple of little question there for a couple of minutes before I go? I've just got more to do. That's the only issue. I'm sorry. No, no, I know you're a busy guy. It's absolutely fine. But no, seriously, Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And you'll oh, be well, thank... sorry. God, what were you saying? Yeah, I was just thanking you myself. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, I like to just have a chat. Um, I think the thing is, it's like um, we can read all about the tour, which begins on the 25th of April at Brighton at the Dome, and you'll be in Sheffield on the 4th of May at the City Hall, before going, obviously, to the likes of the Symphony Hall in Birmingham, the Philharmonic Hall in Liverpool, uh, and the Royal Albert Hall, which is the final show in London. A way to end it. That'll be fantastic. But... Um, I'm going to pop a link so people can pick up tickets that are still available um, in the podcast as well. Um, and yeah, I, I want to wish you all the best for the, the tour. Um, and I hope you enjoy every moment. I hope to see you down there and I look forward to whatever comes next. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Really enjoyed that. And thank you very much, Jim Glennie. What an absolute gent. James begin their last tour next week in advance of the release of their new double album that I'd mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Be Open by the Wonderful, which releases on the 9th of June. And it goes without saying that anticipation was incredibly high for the band's 40th anniversary, with the full tour being sold out within several hours of going on sale. So 
if you manage to pick up a ticket between now and the beginning of the show, consider yourself very much in luck. And with that, it brings us to a close. Once again, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for your support. And stay tuned for the next episode of Chris Talks Music. Take care now.